this is Leslie Garfa Tenser, and this is Law to Fact. Today we're talking about summary judgment. Today's episode is a viewer request. I was asked to create a podcast on summary judgment, and I went right to the expert, Ryan Williams of the Mitchell Hamlin School of Law. In this episode, he clearly explains summary judgment in a way that will be sure to help you excel on exams. I got it, and we all know CivPro is not my expertise. And speaking of exams, I want to take a moment to share a tip I learned while preparing for a triathlon. My students have heard this before, but let me tell you again. When I decided I wanted to do my first triathlon, I bought the book Triathlon for Dummies. One of the best tips I got was to write down all the practice I did in anticipation of completing the triathlon. And then the night before the triathlon, I was to look over everything I did, how much I ran, how much I biked, how much I swam. And that's going to remind me that I am prepared enough to do this. It's exactly what I did. I finished the triathlon. I didn't finish way in the top at all, but I did finish. Um, and But the point is this, you've studied Take a moment of reflection before you walk into your exams and know just how many hours you put into each exam. I assure you that that will give you the confidence to go in and do well. One last thing, write smart. Don't write for a professor who knows everything. Write for an uninformed reader. We want to know as professors that you can lawyer. We know you can memorize the law. You got into law school and you couldn't have if you couldn't. So write for an uninformed reader someone who needs to understand your analysis. If you're listening to Law of Fact, chances are at some point you'll be taking the bar exam. Well, getting ready for the bar exam means you'll need to choose the study program that's right for you. Kaplan Bar Review will get you ready to take on test day with confidence by offering $100 off live and on-demand bar review with offer code LESLIE100. Visit www.kaplanbarview.com today to sign up. Before we get started, a quick reminder that every time you like us or share or tell us, it inspires us to keep going with this podcast. Here's my discussion with Ryan Williams on summary judgment. All right, so I had a viewer request to talk about summary judgment. And as I always make clear, I am not a CivPro expert by any stretch of the meaning you are. So tell me about summary judgment. Uh, summary judgment is a tool for the court to dispose of a case without trial. And it's, a, it's an extreme remedy because if you're in civil court, and this comes up in civil court only, um, you're not entitled to a jury. So you're basically saying you're in civil court, someone petitioned the court for a jury, you got a jury, and then the other side is like, you know what, yeah, I don't feel like going to a jury, just declare me the winner right now. And either party can do it, plaintiff or defendant. Any party can say at any point in the process until you get very close to trial, um, you know what, I want you to declare me the winner. And that's what a summary judgment motion is essentially saying. Uh, We don't need to go to trial because there's no way a reasonable jury could find for the other side. And so that's one of the issues I think that students have is what's the burden of proof in order to win at summary judgment? Um, So it... It's a complicated answer, which is maybe why students struggle with it, right? Um, yeah. But we're trying to make it less complicated, right? Okay, so it depends on who's moving for summary judgments and who has the burden of proof at trial. So if the defendant is moving for summary judgments, um, the plaintiff is the one suing them, so the plaintiff probably has to prove the thing that they want. So the plaintiff will have the burden of proof at trial. And so if you're looking for a one-word, a synonym for summary judgment, think evidence. 
It's all about evidence. So if a defendant's moving for summary judgment on something the plaintiff wants to have happen, the defendant doesn't need evidence. They can just point to the plaintiff and say, look, you don't have evidence. If you're the plaintiff and you don't have evidence, well, then there's no way you could possibly win at trial. So if the defendant can point to the plaintiff and say there's no evidence, then the defendant could win summary judgment. So in other words, now, there's the, no... Oh, I didn't mean to interrupt. Sorry. No, go ahead. go ahead. So it seems to me, in other words, basically what you're saying is it's not worth having the trial because even if you present whatever you have, it's not going to be enough evidence to win. That's right. That's right. And usually for the defendant, that's right. The plaintiff has to have no evidence, right? Mm-hmm. If the plaintiff has some evidence and the defendant has some evidence, then we're going to trial. Because if you have evidence on evidence, then that's what juries decide. They're the triers of fact. So if both sides have evidence, then we would say, okay, there is a genuine issue of material fact. Mm -hmm. All that means is both sides have evidence. We have something to talk about at trial, so we're not going to decide it before trial. The judge, you know, by fiat, we're going to actually go to trial and have a case. But let me ask you a silly question. When you say there's to be some evidence, what if it's like ridiculous evidence, like evidence that no one would ever believe? Well, that's tricky. Um, If it's really ridiculous evidence, um, there's something called visible fiction, which is an exception, which is if you say, I didn't do it, and you put it under oath, I didn't do it. So you have a declaration, you have a legal affidavit under the penalty of perjury that you say you didn't punch the guy. Mm-hmm. And so that's evidence because you put it under oath. And the plaintiff says you did. And there's also in evidence a video recording of you punching him. So if it's, if it's something that rises to the level of visible fiction, then that's not going to count, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, and so the plaintiff there still could get summary judgment if there's visible evidence of it happening. There was a case, I think, J.B. versus Alabama. I think that's the name of the case. Plaintiff sued the defendant, back child support. The defendant said, I'm not the father. I mean, yes, if I was the father, I would owe money, but I'm not the father. And the plaintiff had, had him take a DNA test, and it was a 99.99% chance he was a match. He was the father. And the defendant still said, I'm not the father. But the plaintiff was able to win summary judgment saying, no, you are the father. I have overwhelming evidence that you did it. There's, there's no way a jury could find for the defendant. That's how it works on the plaintiff's side, too. So, like, defendant, you can point to the plaintiff, but you don't have enough evidence now, if the plaintiff is moving for summary judgment, though, they have to have right, such overwhelming evidence that there's no way they could lose. And J.B. versus Alabama, yeah, he had such overwhelming evidence. He is the father. Like, that's the DNA test. There's mm-hmm. nothing. And if the defendant wants to say otherwise, it's probably going to become as visible fiction. The court probably won't accept that. Okay, great. Um, okay, so I interrupted you. What were you going to say next? <laughs> no, just, <laughs> Do you remember? Uh, the different levels of of burden of proof, right? And so you look at who needs to prove the thing at trial. And if you need to prove the thing at trial, then you need to have um, some evidence, some chance of winning at trial. Mm -hmm. Otherwise you might lose on summary judgment. Got it. And what about if the the legal, go ahead. No, you go. Well, and the legal standard is, you know, could a reasonable jury find for the other side? And if no reasonable jury could find for the other side, then yeah, you should declare me the winner right now. There's no chance they could win. So, but if there's a chance they could win, we have to go to trial. So for example, car accident, plaintiff said, hey, the defendant ran through a red light. I'm going to put it under oath that he ran through a red light because I saw light and I think it was red. So that's evidence if the plaintiff puts it under oath. 
And the defendant has, let's say the defendant has 50 witnesses who say the light was green. And it's like, wow, 50 is a lot more than one. But it, and, and they've all put it under oath. Can we declare a summary judgment for the defendant that the light was green? And the answer is no. Because we don't weigh the evidence. If both sides have evidence outside of our visible fiction, you know, literally you're on tape doing it. Outside of that, if both sides have evidence, the court's not going to grant summary judgment to either side. We let the jury figure it out. Right. That, and that makes sense because if there's something for a juror to consider, we have to allow the juror to consider it. And if there's right, nothing like for maybe, a juror uh, Yeah, if there's nothing, then why are we here? Right. right. No. It's, it's, and maybe those 50 witnesses who saw the light was green are all not credible when they take the stand. And the jury's like, I don't believe any of those jokers. They're all friends of the defendant. Like, I don't believe them. And the plaintiff, you know, is Mother Teresa, and she's not lying. And you're like, I believe the one over the 50, and that can happen. So we give the jury a chance to make that happen. Got it. Got it. All right. So why do you think students struggle so much with summary judgment? I think in tar- part in terms of terminology, because there's so many things. So, like, there can be no genuine issue of material fact. What does that mean? That means we agree, everyone agrees on what happens. So you, both sides don't have conflicting evidence, right? That's what it means. You have to have, because it's always a dispute. The plaintiff alleges things in their complaint, but allegations in the complaint aren't evidence. So terminology, no genuine material fact means everyone, it can't be evidence on both sides. Uh, you have to look at the facts in the most favorable light to the non-moving party. It's a lot of legalese in that one sentence there. What does that mean? We have, we have to say non-moving party. So when you hear summary judgment, always identify, and students fail to do this, who's moving? Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Who's asking for summary judgment? Who is the one asking for summary judgment? Because that's an extreme remedy, like I said earlier, telling the judge to stop the whole litigation process and just declare you the winner. So before we do that, before we declare you the winner, if there's any ambiguities, anything that could be construed one way or the other, we skew those facts and inferences in the light most favorable to the non-moving party, the person who's not moving for summary judgment, the party who's opposing summary judgment. They get the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. That, that makes sense, too, because they're the ones who have everything to lose if summary judgment is granted. They're losing their day in court, right? They're not yeah. getting to go before the jury. They're getting yeah. declared the loser right now. So before we do that, declare someone the loser, Mm -hmm. we give them all inferences. But if if you're on tape hitting the guy and you're like, I didn't hit him, it's going to be bad. We can give you all the inferences, but this is, if this tape hasn't been doctored, you're in trouble. So, So, all right, so a student is in civil procedure. They're about to take a civil procedure exam. They get a civil procedure exam question. When in the fact pattern story does a student have to consider summary judgment if it's not asked? You know, if, if the question isn't, should we grant summary judgment? Um, you, you start thinking about summary judgment if they start talking about evidence, I think, in the fact pattern. Um, they're talking about the plaintiff has this or the defendant has that in terms of evidence. When you see that, I start thinking summary judgment. When they say what's in the complaint and they allege this in the complaint, and they're only talking about the complaint, that's more a problem like 12b-6, right? You fail to state your claim properly. Uh, but summary judgment's about evidence. And so when I see them, I have this piece of evidence, and this person said this, 
this person said this, but they they just put it in their complaint. They didn't put it under oath. Those are all ding ding red flags. I'm starting to think summary judgment. And you know, fail to state your claim is different than summary judgment. <laughs> I mean, I can see why people would think it's the same, but it's very different. It's actually different remedies, right? Uh, it can be. It can be. Um, so, fair to state a claim is a so twelve b six motion. You drafted your complaint wrong. Like say you're suing someone for negligence, and in your complaint you say. Yeah, they had no duty, and they didn't breach anything, but they caused me harm, so they're liable for negligence. Pay me. And you're like, whoa. Even if we believe everything in your complaint, you just said there was no duty and breach, which means there can't possibly be negligence, so we will dismiss the case right away. And so 12B6 happens usually usually really early in the process. Mm -hmm. right? And summary judgment is like we're into discovery already, usually, Way past the pleading stage, there's been a you know complaint and an answer, and we're into discovery because discovery is where you get evidence, and then summary judgment. If the plaintiff feels they have overwhelming evidence, the plaintiff might file for summary judgment, and if the defendant feels like either they have overwhelming evidence, or the or the plaintiff has no evidence, the defendant might move for summary judgment. Usually during the discovery stage, and then lastly, sort of not to confuse it too much, but the standard for summary judgment mm -hmm. that no reasonable jury could find for the other side, that's the same standard as judgment as a matter of law. It's the same exact legal question and standard that the, the court imposes. Uh, but the court imposes that just at different times. Judgment as a matter of law comes at the end of trial. Summary judgment happens before trial to avoid trial. So they have different purposes, even though they're the same legal test. And the same kind of result, right? Because in both, well... At summary judgment, it means that you can't win, and at the end, it's just deciding who wins. Well, it's, it's sort of both, though. It's the same legal result. You're right. Summary judgment does declare one side the winner, either declares you can't win, so this person does, mm -hmm. and judgment as a matter of law is the same thing. Judgment as a matter of law comes at the end of trial before the case is submitted to the jury, and so you're asking the court, look, don't even send it to the jury. There's no way that they could believe the other side. So just declare me the winner. So you're asking the same thing, just in a different point. Yeah, it is so funny because I went into this kind of anticipating fear, <laughs> and you make it so clear. So as I understand it, it's basically a plaintiff brings a case, they have evidence, but the reality is that either the defendant thinks this there's no evidence. You know, the plaintiff thinks they have evidence, and I'm making kind of quotes in my hand, but really there is no evidence. So why should we waste a court's time? And right. let's just grant summary judgment now, because it's the same result's going to happen at the end anyway. Right. Save everyone that has to. Got it. Great. That was easy. Anything you want to add? No, I think that's it. It works for both parties. Like, and as a litigator, I was a part of a case sometimes where we would move for summary judgment, and so would the other side. Both sides, they, we thought, had overwhelming evidence that we should win. The other side can't possibly win. So sometimes you even have dueling motions because anybody can file it. So Got it. And it's important to note that, the, just to clarify, it's got to be that there's no evidence because if you have dueling evidence, it's going to go to the jury. You can have dueling motions. You can't have dueling evidence, right? Right. Yeah. If both sides have evidence, then it's going to the jury. So it's either one side has it or not. Um, if you're the defendant, though, you don't even need to have evidence, right? So 
if you're the plaintiff moving for summary judgment, you have to have overwhelming evidence to prove your case in your summary judgment motion, right? It's mm -hmm. a it's a 99.9% .9 chance that he's the father, like the DNA matched, right? I'm going to win. Right. Um, or, but as a defendant, you don't have to have any evidence to move for summary judgment. You can, it might help you, but you don't need it if you, if you can show well, the plaintiff doesn't have any and he's the guy who needs them because he's the one asking for the thing. He's the plaintiff. He has the burden of proof at trial. Perfect. Got it. All right, great. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time to explain this. You're welcome. Thank you. And that's my discussion with Ryan Williams on summary judgment. Once again, a reminder that Kaplan Bar Review is offering you $100 off their live and on-demand bar review program. Just use Leslie 100 as your code when you sign on at www.kaplanbarreview.com. So that's it for this week. Good luck as you study for finals. A reminder, we'll have two more podcasts and then we'll take a break for the uh, winter session break and we will be back again in January. If you have topics that you know you want us to talk about next semester, please shoot us a note at lawtofact at gmail.com or you can tweet us at lawtofact. Best of luck again on finals. Have a good day.